0: This is Coach Cat, and I'm here with Aunt Boogie, and you're listening to Keeping the Town. Go, go. Go, go.
1: Peace world, easy world, is your man Aunt Boogie, don't worry about the name, get used to the voice, and it's another episode of Keeping the towel thank you so much for moving, rocking, and vibing with me as always, and yeah man, we are back at it again, so ladies and gentlemen, hopefully your day is going good, your evening is going good, your afternoon is going good, your night is going good, whatever time you listen to this, hopefully it's going good, but I got a new person in the gym with me, and this one's going to be a good one, this lady here is an incredible woman, incredible realtor. You're gonna get a chance to hear about her business and what she's doing. And man, she has some incredible stuff to say to you out there. All the way from the four, two, three, the six, one, five. My girl from Tennessee, Miss Katina. Carney. are you in the building Katina?
0: Yes, I'm in the building. Same
1: time. Yeah, folks. So ladies and gentlemen, this is how it's gonna go for you, Katina. Here's what I need you to do. Make sure you come out your locker room, get in your mouthpiece, get your hands wrapped, get your gloves on. Come to the sparring ring. And it's gonna be Katina and Aunt Boogie. It is here that the sparring session has officially started. Let's get it. Katina, let's go ahead and handle it. Go ahead, yeah. put the world on to where it all started.
0: You. Better known as Coach Cat, My business started for me in Nashville, Tennessee. That's where I'm originally from. My story starts in 2015 with real estate. Um, I was going to school. Um, I had at the time a son that was eight years old. Now he's 16. Single mom, uh, making about $30,000 a year. I'm just trying to figure it out. Uh, one day I decided to go to real estate school. At that time, I was tired of being poor. I knew as a, as a child, I grew up in poverty, but I didn't have a choice. But I knew that as an adult that I had a choice. Instead, I ended up going to real estate school. I didn't have a babysitter at the time. And I remember having to bring my son to school with me at that time. you know, uh, He was a good little boy. And he still is. And um, I remember telling him, I said, son, um, if you sacrifice with me now, be a little boy in class, do what I ask you to do. I promise you, it will pay up later. Um, mind you not, I had two adult daughters that were living their own life, so I couldn't have them watching them. And I had already raised them as a parent, making those sacrifices. You know, we we did what we had to do. You know, I would tell people, single parent was my story. That's not who I am. I remember going to school uh, and, and just enjoying school, but I didn't enjoy school when I was younger, only because of the things I went through as a child, moving from school to school and home to home because my dad had to raise me and my siblings as a single father. And so school wasn't a good time for me. I I don't remember, you know, having the friends, the long-term friends in school and the long time relationships in school. So going back to school was real big for me. During that time, I was taking the classes and bringing my son to school with me. I remember when my car had broke down in the middle of school. And I'm in real estate in Tennessee, you had a part A and a part B. I had already taken a B and I was working on part A. I was going to school on weekends and because I had to work a full-time job. I remember my car breaking down and I was like, God, ah. you know, I'm just tired. I'm tired of starting over. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of Doing things the old way and trying to figure this out, figure that out, and I remember hearing a voice from God, and I just heard the word finish. And at that point, I was just like, God, I'm trying, I'm trying to finish. And then He just said, The finish is not for you. Mm. And that just just rings so much over my body. Like I was just like, God, if finish is not for me. What are you talking about? He said, I need you to finish. You you didn't finish high school. You didn't finish college. You don't finish relationships when they get hard. I need you to finish. You want the reward. But when are you gonna finish? And that was the thing. Like I, I was telling me, you know, the devil don't mind you starting school. He just don't want you to finish. You know, the devil don't mind you getting married. He just don't want you to stay married. You know. And that was, the, that was my life. I would start and stop and start and start. And then I still wanted the prize, you know. I still wanted the reward. So then at that time, I was like, you know, I had to come up with a solution. And one of the things my dad had always told us is don't bring me a problem without a solution. In every situation, we couldn't come to him and say, hey, Dad, I don't have this. I don't have this. He would want you to come up with a solution. I ended up calling a couple of friends that I went to school with that I did study time with him one would pick me up for for pick me and my son up for class and the other one would bring us home and, and then I end up finishing that was 2015 and 2016 you know it was at the end of 2015, 2016 I, I got my license that first year I did over 30 million in sales I went from making $30,000 to six figures and um I was able to. You know, my son at that time we was um, a roommate in someone else's in someone else's house, and I end up moving us to apartment, had new furniture, replaced my car, end up buying me a Mercedes Benz cash. I think it was like five grand for it, but that wasn't it. That that was the material thing, you know. But through my career, I've reached back and. Went to the housing projects where I lived, taught people credit, taught people how to become homeowners. Watching my clients be first time homebuyers, watching their kids fight over whose room is who because they've only lived in a one bedroom apartment. They always had to share a room. Ultimately, being able to, in 2020, take care of my father before he passed away. You know, with COVID going around, I had to hire a private nurse to sit with him 24 hours. Being able to do things like that, that was that was the finish. Like, had I not finished, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do those things. You know, helping other agents become six-figure agents. Helping my family, my friends, encouraging others to help them start their business. But I understand now what I didn't understand when God spoke that word to me. The finish is not for you.
1: When it was said to you that the finish was not for you. So, yeah. Kat, let's go back a little bit more. Step in this time machine yeah. and you dialed the dial back to 19, or something or something. And <laughs> during 19, something or something, that's where young Cat and her dad. Give us a little synopsis in the home with dad, because normally you don't hear that a lot with single dads. And today in our time, that is really not highlighted nowadays, right? Exactly. And it just seemed like, okay, father, particularly with black fathers, they're considered like, oh yeah, you're irresponsible. You're this and that. And granted, there are some who are like that, but you have a lot who are not like that. So bring us into the home with Cat, young Cat, and her dad. What was that like? Well, my dad,
0: never heard my dad complain. My dad was, he was a minister. Growing up with him, he preached the word, but I never saw the word. Mm. Um, him and my mom fought a lot. Uh, my mom was going through a lot of mental issues, so she was in and out of our lot. My dad, him being a single father, he would work some 15, 17 hours a day. You know, I would hear him say, I'm not hungry, knowing he was hungry just so we can eat. I would just see the pain he was in every day from working hard work for a steel company and just the sacrifices he made, you know. So I was a daddy's girl. So with that being said, I picked up a lot of masculine roles more than I did feminine roles. You know, my dad taught me how to mow the grass. He taught me how to change the oil on my car. Do I want to? No, (laughs) to this day. But he taught me those things, you know, how to balance a checkbook, how to pay bills, that life insurance was important. So he taught me those things that stuck with me. But the one thing I didn't get, which, you know, I give to my kids now was that feminine role of the hugs and the and the nourishment. My dad he grew up on figured out. But he learned that from his parents. So growing up with him it was more you couldn't be a child. You had to you had to be adult early. You know, you had to learn how to cook. You had to clean, you had to do little things on your own. You know, I had an older sister who played that mother role. But you had to figure things out yourself. And we didn't have the nice things going to school, but we we had it. But he always taught me to be humble. He always talked to me. He always explained things to me. He little sayings. He always saying, you know, one of them was, if you're going through, go ahead and go through it. Don't stick around and and, and be miserable. And just go through it. And things he would just say to me to encourage me because he always told me, you know, whatever you touch, you're trying to go. Instilling the Word of God in me also helped my foundation. But on the flip side, like I said, not having that mother has caused me a lot
1: in different relationships up in. As you grew into a teenager, and you said that your dad he instilled the work ethic into you, right? But there was other deficiencies that you had. Did you realize those deficiencies earlier or was it like it took over time? It's like, wow, I didn't yeah, I didn't know that part. I found it interesting just for you to say that it was the feminine part that you didn't really develop too much. Were there a lot of women in your life who were willing to show you or was it like not that many women?
0: It was more men in my family than it was women. I mean, I had my grandma and my aunt. Uh, my aunt was the only girl out of six brothers. So it wasn't that nurturing, you know, like the things I didn't know, I didn't know, I, like I ended up having two girls, I didn't know how to comb their hair, I just had them to go get their hair done at an early age. I was into sports, so, you know, I had brothers myself, so it wasn't, it wasn't around to figure it out. Going back to your question, I think I was, it had to be in my, probably in my 30s before I figured it out, you know, and When I would tell men these stories, they would kind of flip it on me like, oh, so that's why you like that. It wasn't a compassion of, okay, now I understand. Let me see how I can help you with this. It was more of, oh, that's why you are so um, demanding or so aggressive or whatever they may say, that's a man trait. And I was like, no, it's just my dad taught me certain things that I saw him do, then it got to the point where if I didn't see it in that man, I felt like, okay, you're not the person for me. As you
1: grew older, mm-hmm. were there parts that your father started to realize you as, this is my daughter, I got to ease up well, here at some point. Were there moments that he was that as you grew older into an adult and that, as you said, you had to take care of him and everything, was there moments that he realized that or is that he still just
0: kept, he's, he kept it as it was, as his way? That's who he was. It wasn't, he wasn't like that just to me. Like, he wasn't the same way with my, my brother, the same with my other sister. Like, it wasn't a, oh, I'm going to be this way with Katina. It was, hey, this is what I know. This is what I can teach you. It was more of a survival. Hey, I'm going to make sure you survive. You know, not so much as thrive, but survive. And that you're not going to have to depend on someone to change your tire on your car. you know, not to depend on somebody to cut your grass. Like, it was more of that. Because he still treated me as his daughter. Like, everywhere I went, he'd tell people about me. Even before he died, I knew he was proud of me. But that peace he couldn't give me that a woman could when it came to you growing
1: mm-hmm. into this womanhood learning what the woman has to go through did you have any conflicting moments where it's like i right, i just know it this way i don't know about this you know being this soft person i know it <laughs> like this when you come from like oh yeah you got to be gentle like nah nah i'm gonna hit you in your chest so you can understand me did you did I'm you have those honest. moments
0: i am be honest I'm still that way. <laughs> you know, I have my moments. I can, I, you know, I can, I can flip it with my children. They'll tell you, "Mama, don't play." You know what I mean? They'll tell you. You know, I, I have those kids where I can look at you and I ain't gotta, I ain't gotta put my hands on you. I just look yeah, at I you, love, yeah, and man. you know, I'm not gonna play with you. I think with guys now that I meet, they respect me more only because I shoot my truth. Like I'm not gonna sugarcoat around what I feel. I try not to live off my feelings. A lot of people say women are very emotional. I believe it's how you act off that emotion because I'm going to examine me first. You know, before I say anything, I'm in my head. Is this real? Is this my feelings? Is this true? Having that gift of intuition too helps out a lot. And been able to trust my feelings.
1: Katina now said you had two daughters. Having your daughters, what did that do to you? How did that shape you in terms of motherhood?
0: I remember watching something on TV a long time ago. TJ, she was saying, just because she didn't have a father, see the opposite. Hmm. So my goal was to be the opposite of my mom. But when I had to take care of my mom, it was like when she had to act, and God had put me in a place where I had to take care of it. none of one of my sisters and brothers could, it was like God was put me in a space of, okay, now you're getting ready to know. And this was in my 30s. What was that like that now you're oh in this God. room and this woman that
1: <laughs> you had to deal with, like, as you said, she Girl. had mental, mental health issues. Oh my goodness. And then now I, you're I, locked I'm... into a room with her where it's like, all right, <laughs> there we go. What was that and like? I was
0: like I was like, God, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I said, like, God has a sense of him. But that moment I had with her, it healed me from the past of her leaving, the abandonment. It allowed me to see why she had to go through what she went to. It also allowed me to learn that other people played a part in her mental problems; uh-huh. that it wasn't her. And And it allowed. Yeah, and to hear the truth, and that the people who were trying to raise us was the reason why she had the mental breakdown. And to hear that strength that she had, oh my god! And it made me realize where I get my strength from. Because I I used to tell my mom, "You're not crazy because of the stuff you went through." Anybody right now probably would have took their life. She always praised God. She knew her words, always smiled. Her last days were her best days. And I was able to forgive her. And as a mother myself, I was able to have that compassion and learn that compassion and learn, okay, now I understand. Take me to that part
1: right there when Katina had to finally become not strong Katina with the the cape and the shield, but Katina, (laughs) the little girl with her mom, and forgive mom, what was that moment like?
0: After having my son, he was two years old when my mom came to stay with us, just sitting down talking to her. She told me the reason why she treated me different than all the other children was because she was jealous of me. She told me something she said, jealousy is probably the secretive and silent sin you will ever know because people would not tell you. They would not tell you the truth. And she said, I was jealous of you because of the relationship you had with your dad. And I was jealous of your beauty. I was jealous of you. At that point, I was just like, why? Like, I did not have to be here. The things she took me through, um, you know, I remember her kidnapping me at seven or eight years old. I remember her trying to stab me. I, I just remember all those times and the fights and the arguments. She said that was the reason why. And at that time, you know, we were, after the truth came out, she told me about she had my two other older brothers were adopted. They were taken away from her. That's when the break, that's when her mental breakdown went down. But for them two to be taken away from her and then us to be taken away from her, it just shut her down. I can relate because I had kids myself. And I know if someone had taken my kids, i would probably be in the same state of mind. I was able to show compassion. We began to bond, and we began to become friends. Even in her last days, we had to put her in hospice, hospital. And I remember playing her favorite song to us. One of her songs was, When I Get to Heaven, I'm going to sing and shout. and She loved to sing. I played her music. I said, blink your eyes, mom, if you can hear me and she blinked her eyes and tears just rolled down her eyes and at that point I knew she was okay and I knew she didn't have to go into any more pain and suffering of other people but learning that compassion and learning that your choices just don't affect you and the three women who hurt her it was my grandmother her mom it was a social worker and her sister they took my mom's kids Away from her. And so my mom, the whole time of my youth, she was walking around looking for them. Because they were calling her crazy. I didn't believe my brothers exist at 18 years. When my brother turned 18, one of them had passed away. His foster mom, they found their birth certificate. Was able to locate my mom. And back then, you know, we had the yellow pages, so they were able to locate her. And my mom was happy. She had all her five of her kids again. She was complete. But the three ladies that hurt my mom, they all died of all times. Wow. They all lost their minds. And the whole time, they were calling my mom crazy. She outlived all three of them. That's why I get my strength. She was a strong woman. And like I said, I, I was able at 30 to have that relationship with her that I didn't have as a child.
1: So as you run into motherhood now, what did the start of motherhood teach you with your two daughters?
0: With my daughters, they taught me how to love them unconditionally. It also taught me to appreciate motherhood, not take it for granted. With my daughters, I repeated the same pattern with, with my dad. I became that single mom. I became workaholic. Once they got a certain age, 10 and eight, they were raising their because I was always at work. But I made time for trips and memories. That was the difference. And they're in their thirties. They still talk about the trips we used to take. Disney World and Chattanooga and Gatlinburg. So I think that was the difference between my childhood i still wasn't out of that struggle but i wasn't just surviving and so with them what i probably would have done different is not as hard and spend more time with them
1: and they're mm-hmm. growing and moving forward in life what was it that you start to see for yourself that okay i didn't get this when i was a kid but i want to right. give this to them what was it that you That's- saw was a difference
0: I think the nurturing, being able to hug them, kiss them, tell them I love them, to this day I send them a text or a kind word, praying with them more, not judging them, teaching them to be more feminine. They still have in debt workaholic in them, especially my baby girl. She's like my mini-me. She'll work two jobs. She does real estate, too. They still saw the positive that I passed on from my parents. They still saw the moving around a lot but they got to the stick together. They got to the, for family. They got to the, the bonding.
1: <laughs> now we get into the early 2000s. that has a little boy. Was there something different oh. in motherhood now that you had a son or was it the same thing? Oh
0: yeah, it was different. It was different type of love. So before I had my son, I had lost a son at childbirth. He was more of my, okay, God, thank you. With him, I was in the nursing field working 12-hour shifts, and I was like there's no way I'm gonna let my daughters raise my son. Mm. there's no way I'm gonna be away from him there's no way I'm gonna let him see me struggle and he feels like he has to be a man and at that point that's when entrepreneurs kicked in that's when I said you know what I'm gonna work for myself and so I can have the time with him so I can see him grow so he doesn't have to struggle I want him in the street but at that point it was like okay what do I do? What do I do different? And so I left the hospital to open up my own daycare, in-home daycare so I could be at home with him and my grandson.
1: Now you decided to get on that path of entrepreneurship. Cat, take me on that process. Were you scared? <laughs> yeah. Were you nervous? Or was it like, alright, look, I'm just out peace.
0: Which one were you at? Well, the thing about it, at the hospital I worked with, and I was working third shift, and a lot of us the- nurses would call in because they didn't have child care at night. So I took most of those people's kids into my home and started my child care at night. So I was like the only childcare in the neighborhood at night. So I was only charging about seventy five dollars a week. I had waiting list. It had got to the point where my daughters was helping me to run it. That's how busy it was. And then two thousand ten hit and the flood did Tennessee. So the bottom level of my house was the daycare. Wiped out the whole thing. It was just like, oh my God. <laughs> At the time I was renting the place, so I didn't own it. I remember I was like, man, what do I do now? Of course, I had to move out and we ended up moving into an apartment, I had to close my daycare down. I went and wait table. tables. Two thirteen an hour. So, you know, I'm starting at the bottom. And I got to the point, you know, I would go from different Shoney's to, you know, if they was having an event downtown Nashville, I worked at Shoney's if they had one. So I'm going on in, in another area, the, the tourist area in land, I worked that area. And I would go from Shonies to Shoney's. And then one day I remember uh, I was asked to play the Shoney's, Shoney's Bear. <laughs> oh, wow. And I was like, how much does that pay? You know, because I was at that point when, you know what, I'm i am not going back to corporate. I'm not going back to the hospital. It was like $10 an hour. And I would show up at different events with the Shoney Bear on it. I got to do what I got to do to take care of my family. All right. And, hold uh, on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on.
1: I seen that big Shoney Bear. So um, was this during the summer, the fall, or the spring when you had to put on this bear?
0: Oh, it was summer. You know what time? Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> When I did work, I worked at the zoo. I worked at the children's theater, wherever I had to go with that Shoney Fair. So, you in this mascot and yes. you are smelling
1: all sorts of animal feces around you in the zoo. Yeah. Yo, you all right with me? And they ain't pour no, no sweet tea or nothing inside of there to go ahead and keep you
0: hydrated? I don't know. It's like, if you wanted to cool off, you better go to the restroom and fan and wipe your face and get back at it, you and know?
1: Where's that workers' comment? All right, I got you.
0: That's where I met the guy I married at Shoney he was working there too and we ended up being friends and going on picnics and just enjoying itself and that's when I think my son was like 4 years old he had met my son for the first time when he met my son and my son ran up to him and called him daddy and hugged him uh, I was like wait a minute wait a minute yeah brother you get <laughs> my mother
1: out of this Shoney costume letting you know that now <laughs>
0: So that day, we ended up dating, and he asked me to marry him in front of everybody. Oh, my God. Anyway, we end up getting married. He adopted my son. Uh, to this day, he's still in his life. My son is 16 now. I raised my son to be that man, you know, and be that godly man, to have that foundation of God. And that was the difference in raising him, because at, at 25 weeks, Being pregnant with him, I almost lost him too, as I did my other son. I remember praying to God. And looking back, it's funny now. I said, God, if you say, I was like, first of all, my mind can't go through losing another child. If you let him live, I'll give him over to you. I remember immediately my contraction stopped. But I didn't know it was a two for one. If I gave my son to God, he had to see the God in me. So I had to give myself to.
1: <laughs> so now it's like basically yes. the reincarnation when you said that with your dad, that your dad preached the word, but he didn't see yes. it. And I was like, all right, no, now, Mom, you have to not only yes. say this as you believe, but now you got to live it
0: now. Exactly. Wow. That was the... That was the difference with him. It was like, I mean, my son would walk up in the church with his arms raised, praising God at two years old. He would come home and mimic the preacher preaching. It was just like, oh my God, this is real. And people in the church would say, will not you take him to the nursery? And like, he doesn't want to be in the nursery. It had got to the point where the pastor would be like y'all mean this little boy can stand up and praise God but y'all can't you know and that's how he was that was the difference in raising him like I knew I had to have his foundation right put him in only Christian private schools, even when I barely had money to pay for it I still was finding a way you know they would have scholarships and monthly plans and whatever I could do to keep his foundation Christ.
1: so Kat, kids getting into trying to find your way into what it is that you want to do but there's still things that Kat was dealing with. Kat, what was, yeah. what was that internal part like dealing with you?
0: I think it was more of all about them. It, it never was about me. I always put them first. I never thought about my happiness. I always thought, hey, how can I make them happy? What can I do? What can I buy them? What can I teach them? What can I show them? How can I make life better for them? I never, like they stay on the airplane, put the mask on you first. I just never thought I was supposed to do that. It was always, are they happy? I didn't, I picked certain friends. I picked certain guys based on, am I gonna keep them safe? Am I gonna keep them happy? Choices I made was always about my children. You know, they didn't ask to be here. I need to protect them. They didn't ask to be here. I need to make sure they okay before myself. And being a single parent, you don't have the other person to say hey is this okay hey what do you think about this you just have to figure it out and make a decision only thing I didn't like about with my girls is because the relationship I had with my dad they didn't have with theirs but I couldn't make them be fathers you know and I wasn't that woman who oh I'm I'm gonna take y'all for child support and I'm going to keep calling your phone. I'm going to keep it. I wasn't that person. I was like, hey, i going to work this third job. This is what I need y'all to do. Hey, nobody gets sick till the insurance kick in. <laughs> 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 take in. These, take these Flintstone bikes. <laughs> you know what I mean? strong and you know.
1: Let's go ahead and step right back in the time machine again. And we're going to fast forward <laughs> a little more. And go to that space where dad was now he started to attenuate. He was no longer this strong guy who could do everything. He needed now needed help. Where was that yeah. space that you came to dad and came to an understanding that All right, I got everything that you were trying that you tried to do? Yeah. He wasn't a perfect dad, but you did exactly what you tried to right. do as a father. Where did that come to you?
0: I think it was when I think it was after my mom passed away. I think it was forgiving him. He was part of the problem, too. Having that conversation with him, you know, as a man of God and then as my father, in some places he let me down. You got to realize my dad was a jokester, so his thing was, I didn't ask you to hold me up. I did you to put me on a no pedestal. So he was like, I don't know how I let you down because you don't hold me up. Clever. Good, clever. And I was just dad. like... Either. you know what I mean. And mind you, not you know. I'm daddy's little girl, so you know I'm crushed to learn that you was part of the problem. At that point, he he had told me, he said, "Don't put no man on no pedestal." He said, "That's the problem. You you going around putting people on pedestal, and when they let you down, you fall with them."
1: Was that said, was that due to your nature of pleasing, of like just trying to please people in general?
0: Yeah. I think I think it was more of expectation, putting expectation on people. You know, like my dad would tell me, I didn't know you put the expectations on me. Mm. Maybe you should have had that conversation with me. And, that's you know, kind of hard just, to say,
1: though, isn't it? You're young, right. so how
0: do but you, you, have you gotta realize thing? he didn't he didn't raise us like children, you know. Right, right. It wasn't like we were playing with toys, and it was more okay. Y'all gotta figure life out. Y'all want to eat? Figure it out. Y'all want to close? Figure it out. You know, we wasn't like we playing with Barbies and it was life situation. Not even, not even a Cabbage Patch Kid? Nah. And I, now, you got to realize that my age, they only had white Cabbage Patch style, so I ain't to want anything. <laughs> my daughter collected Barbies. I remember going get swing sets and all that for them because i didn't have those christmas, christmas and come around for us i made a difference with my own picture. now mm-hmm.
1: decide to go into this real estate thing so you said that Man. you just got tired of just working and it's like I right, look i got to do my own thing here what yeah. was what was that turning point to say you know what let me try my hand at this real estate thing
0: well this is the thing after working at Sony I went to work at Nordstrom as a, a server. And you got to realize that's like night and day. Shonie's I was making two thirteen an hour, barely making it on tips. I went from that to making seven fifty an hour, full benefit, and probably about forty grand a year in tips. Wow. It was a hard time. <laughs> this is like, nine to 11, I would get awards for selling the most wine. I would get rewards for selling the most cookbooks. My clientele would wait on me sometimes 30, 45 minutes to sit at my table. They would bring me Christmas gifts, gifts from Nordstrom, bring my son gifts. Like, God just put me around money. I had started my own concierge business while I was running errands. For rich people, would that be standing in line for it? Movie tickets or concert tickets, standing in line taking back a return, doing laundry service. I'm picking up groceries. I'm doing all that. I'm making like probably about 50 bucks an hour doing that. My own business called All About You C S Service. And so from that, I went to working at the country club, same client. And then I got an opportunity to work for a millionaire. Basically, I was the housemate for their house, for their mansion. And my job was to make sure that people came in and clean the floors and clean the chandeliers. And one thing I had to do was clean the, the upstairs of the house, make beds. And they was paying me probably about $30 an hour for benefits. I probably worked about four or five hours a day until I was just around money. I was around wealth. And um, I remember going to the, the husband of it and Telling him I wanted to do real estate, he just started teaching me about wealth and how he made his money. Like I was just like, God, I know I'm not around wealthy people just for nothing. And it was like I was treading my feet. That's how I felt. Like I was just the vibration, just just seeing the difference and seeing, you know, rich people have dysfunctional homes too. But the one thing they did, they stuck together and they had a plan and they would meet about different properties and I just saw it. So, I mean, to the point was, I was like, God, I know I ain't supposed to be the help all my life, but I just knew I had to do something different. Take me to that day
1: that you decided to say, you know what? I'm going to take this. How many dollars to go ahead and now invest in this class? and uh, the startup Oh, now, my goodness. Investing in cat.
0: So this is the thing. Like, I was already helping people repair their credit. And a friend of mine was an agent. I would repair their credit and hand them off to him. Going back in 2005, I had repaired my credit and learned how to repair credit. And it was an agent that helped me buy my first home, me and my daughter as a single parent built from the ground up. I was like, this person was an agent, but I didn't feel like he was taking care of him like I wanted to. And it wasn't that he wasn't a, he was a bad agent, it just, I'm all about relationships. And then I had the experience of having bad credit, fixing my credit and becoming a homeowner. And I started a group on Facebook, you know, who wants their credit repair, who wants to learn about credit repair. And I would have classes. People show up by the by the thirty and forty and fifty people show up. And I'm teaching this class all for free. And um one day in a group, someone said, Katina, why don't you get your license? <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, you got to realize, I do not like school. Like, I like to learn, but I don't. I didn't enjoy school, so I was like, okay. So I, I came up with the first, I want to say about 200 some bucks to take the class. And then I finished that one, and then the second class, I, I didn't have the money. Something that happened. Well, I didn't have the money. And a friend of mine, who's now a lender, he was like, okay, you got to finish this, man. He was like, I'll let you borrow the money and you pay me back. One thing my dad had always taught me is be a, a woman, a man of your word, no matter what. Don't let your circumstance affect somebody else's pocket. I didn't have the money to pay him back. But I did. I remember saying, you know what, if I got to eat beans and cornbread, I'm going to pay this man back. And that man, he literally broke down crying when I brought him his money back. And he was like, nobody has ever kept their word and paid me back. I always teach my children that too. Your circumstances don't affect what somebody else is doing. Don't count somebody else's pocket if they have it. If you, if you took it, give it back. That $450 changed my life. I'm
1: telling you, when somebody (laughs) believes in you and they sow that seed in you, that's the whole name of the game. They want to see the ROI on it. Did you go through with it? And there you went. So Katina, you had to go through some hardship during the class and (laughs) then you finally came away with a license. And now we have The real realtor. The real realtor, (laughs) Katina. So now here it is, Katina, you see your license and it's like, what goes through your mind when you see that?
0: Oh, that's when the hustle kicks in. <laughs> I even have a program now called "Hit the Ground Running." Like I, I made sure everybody knew that I was a, a real estate agent. They even gave me a nickname, the real realtor of Nashville. <laughs> I would network with intention. I would literally, before I go to a network meeting, I would look up and see who's gonna be there. And I would intentionally pick the people I want to meet I didn't care if you were white blue black green I just walked up to you and I said hey I want to know who you know and they and they would look at me like what is going on with you
1: I like that network with intention <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that is the phrase for today
0: network with intention yeah I love that mm-hmm. I would just hey network. I bring my son with me. When I picked him up from school, his first word, was, who we meeting today? I would change his clothes in the car, and we go network, and he'll pass on my card, whether we're in a restaurant, wherever we were. And this that's what weird. I did. I hit the ground run. I made sure I wasn't a secret agent. Mm. I made sure everybody knew that Tina Carney is a real estate agent. It's like that saying when they said, prepare to be sick of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I knew that I had to get the ground running. I would buy shirts. that said i sell real estate. i wear them in the Kroger's gas station, wherever. Somebody walked walk up to me, I like your shirt. Hey, you looking to buy a sale in the next three <laughs> months? <laughs> like, like, I was with my own walking billboard. That's right. You know? That's right. I became the expert, you know? And then radio stations I would be on. Did the Nashville Home Show. That's where I got my first million dollar client. Like I was hungry. That's how I started. Like that same hustle I tell people the hustle don't change. The same hustle I had in waiting table was the same hustle I had in real estate. It was like, hey, I knew what you I know what you want before you asked me. I knew what a wine pair with each dish. I studied that. I knew your first and last name. All I had to do was look at your card, remember that so when you come to me again I know your first and name, first and last name. I knew your kid's name. I did that in real estate. I was very personal. You
1: have come to the space after working some years and you hitting that ground running. Now Cat <laughs> is not just Cat, but Coach Cat, helping others. <laughs> what brought you to that space to want to help others and how does it feel?
0: Oh man, I think when looking back and you can see others that's been in the same situation you've been in and you want to reach back, not just giving them a handout, but reaching back to pull them up with you that space you're in you want others to enjoy it you know, you want to share it with the world and and not everybody's going to get it but I've met some amazing people who have when someone paid my real estate fees I've paid others and having that ability to do that and I've seen them reach back and pay somebody else's, and it was just a domino effect but just mentors that I still have now they're making six figures and and some are trying to figure it out, but they they call me and say and run things by me, and I'm just like, gotcha, I got. You. But it, it's just been amazing. I love to teach and I love to learn. I don't call myself a false I, I tell everybody I'm a shepherd, and that's the difference. A shepherd. It's going to go get to so yeah. go after that one. When the 99 is good, they're going to go after that one. That's what I am. I'm a shepherd.
1: Now, when did Kat decide to work on Cat?
0: Oh, my goodness. So, in my 40s, um, my dad passed away. That was my best friend. That that kind of took a toll on me because as I was seeing him go down, he had Parkinson's disease. And it got to the point where I had to bathe him. And we had the nurse, but... COVID hit, and it was that fear of her giving COVID to everybody else because she was coming in and out. And so my daughters and me and my husband, we had to kick in and take care of my dad. Just hearing him say, you know, thank you for not giving up on me. And at that point, my siblings wasn't helping me take care of him as they promised. And, you know, I got to, you should have put him in a nursing home. And I was like, he didn't he didn't leave me. Mm. He didn't leave me. He could have put us in a foster care. And as I'm taking care of him and just seeing how people who said they loved him, his church, other family members, didn't come around, he helped and took care of and gave them money when they needed paid his ties at the church. And I'm seeing this, and I'm like, God, I don't want this for my life. After my dad died, I watched the man I was married to pack up my dad's room on the day of his funeral. And it just broke me. I ain't even buried them yet. At that point, I knew I was done. I was just at a place where I had I had still had my daycare running at that time and during real estate my daughter was running the daycare I was just exhausted I was tired of taking care of everybody else I remember telling my children I'm getting ready to sell the house and I guess they didn't take me serious at that point it was just my oldest daughter there her son and my son and I told my son he went to go live with his dad and his mama. so I' had to dad and he stayed there to play ball I told my daughter hey I'm getting ready you need to uh, help you find a place. She found her place, sold the house, packed up whatever I had that would fit in my car. <laughs> At the time, you know, I had my Land Rover, so I looked like looked like a homeless person in a Land Rover. Found me a condo in Atlanta, Georgia. And I said, God, this year, it's a year I work on me. This year is the year I lay down my superwoman case down and take care of me. I remember the day I was packing up and my son he said, what's wrong, mom? I was crying and he was like, mom, you take care of everybody else. Go take care of you. In my head, I was like, I am. But not knowing he was on that same frequency, not knowing that God was speaking through him. I end up in an empty house. It's just me and God. And I haven't had this since I had kids that, at the age of eighteen
1: and now I'm fifty. And y'all she so don't even look fifty at all. At all. So yeah. <laughs> I gotta see that birth certificate.
0: <laughs> well thank you. I yes. ate breakfast.
1: Yes you have. <laughs> Carney, why do you keep your
0: towel? I keep my towel because it costs me a lot to get it. It costs me a lot. Not just material but time. It cost me a lot. It cost me tears, caused me pain, cost me healing, it cost me happiness, it cost me joy, it cost
1: Oh, well, there you have it right there folks. And you heard this incredible woman's reason why she decided to keep her towel. So cat, before we pop out of here, if there's any information, anything that you got coming, lady.
0: The floor is yours. All right. I have my book coming out in November on Amazon called The Finish Is Not For You. I also have an event in Midtown, 1010 Midtown, on November 11, 2022. From 8 to 11, we're having an event. The Finish Is Not For You. You're going to get some information that you need so you can finish.
1: Alright, there you have it folks And I'm going to make sure I put that information out there So you can go ahead and grab tickets And also connect with Coach Kat And for any of your realtor needs And not just for realtor needs But just definitely connect with you. She's just a cool person all around So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it Coach Cat. congratulations You survived Boogie Jim And this sparring session is now over Congratulations. Y'all already know how it is. Go ahead and connect with your man and boogie. Go ahead. You know where to catch me on Twitter and IG. And yeah, I would love to hear from you. And like I always tell you, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is your man and boogie. I will check you when I check you. I'll see you when I see you. We are out of here. Peace. Oh. Oh. Oh.